You're now listening to Hack and Grow Rich with Shaheen Shayan and his co-host, Bart Baggett, where we discuss hacking your way to success and the unconventional paths to unreasonable success with the people who've been there. And now, the author of Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, Shaheen Shayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of the Results Podcast. This is your host, Michael Altschuler. And as always, we bring you the top thought leaders, the innovators, the disruptors, those that are making a real difference in the world, those who are moving the needle, the trendsetters. Well, you're in for a real treat today. Wait until you hear about our guest. He is an award-winning entrepreneur, writer, and filmmaker, currently based in where else but L.A., California. In the past 30 years, he has generated, get this, turn your volume up, a billion dollars in revenue. I know I got your attention now. But wait, there's more. He is the CEO and chairman of Accelerated Intelligence. Through Accelerated Intelligence, an Amazon marketing and advertising agency, he manages the selling of his products and helps other brand owners to scale their online sales, not just on Amazon, but other marketplaces like eBay, Shopify, and Walmart. Our guest shares his passion for Amazon through his Amazon's course, Amazon Mastery. Oh, and an interesting side note. Years ago, perhaps many years ago, we'll let him tell us how long ago, he created an herbal ecstasy pill, starting the smart drug movement, making millions, that's with an M, millions of dollars at the tender age. Uh, This must be a typo. Is it true? 15 years old? That's right. That's when I started. That's crazy. Well, there's a lot that we're going to hear that I'm sure is going to be eye-opening and uh, some great takeaways. Please help me welcome our guest, Shaheen Shayan. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me on, Michael. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Listen, I couldn't wait. Uh, There's nothing like hearing new and exciting and innovative ways that people have found, you know, what I've learned over the years is, you know, there's common denominators of success, but then everyone has a unique path also that, that they kind of elevated to the top and, and uh, achieve success. And I can't wait myself and for those listening to hear what your path was. Let's go back to the beginning. Tell me kind of what your upbringing was like, where was it at? And tell me what that looked like. Lower class, middle class, upper class, silver spoon in your mouth. What'd you start with? I wish. I always wanted a trust fund and a rich daddy. That would be amazing. (laughs) No kidding. Could have fun with that one. Yeah. Came here as immigrants during the very tail end of the 1970s. And we came to the United States, you know, through Germany, as, as most Iranians did. We were Iranian Jews. So we fled Iran in fear of persecution and, and came to the United States eventually. Landed in the U.S. I was about five and king of the heap in Iran, like, you know, had my little gang, very safe place. You know, I would leave during the days. I would come back as a five year old. No problem. Dinner was when I came home. It was great. But coming to this country, I realized it was during Iran Contra and I was no longer top of the heap. In fact, I was a second class citizen. Wow. And 
that gave me a chip on my shoulder, gave me a lot of grit, you know, getting the, the crap kicked out of me every day at school, definitely built character. But I decided that, hey, you know, this is clearly one of the greatest countries in the world from an economic standpoint. There is opportunity there. I see people with wealth. Where we came up was an enclave of Los Angeles that was up and coming. And my folks bought one of the last affordable houses there. After that, the, the whole neighborhood just blew up. And I saw people around me driving Mercedes and Porsches and the guy with the Porsche and the beautiful blonde next to him yeah, yeah. and the Rolex and that whole lifestyle. And I thought, man, that is so far from where we are at. My dad worked at a pizza shop and then he worked at a dry cleaners for nearly 30 years. You know, we never bought new clothes. I hadn't been to a restaurant until I was 15. And, you know, then one of the rich kids at school invited me over. And I, I remember going, wait a second, explain to me how this works again. <laughs> this guy's going to come and give me a piece of paper and I can pick a hamburger and he will bring it to me. And the guy was like, yeah, yeah, yeah get, get whatever you want. I got my dad's card. I said, what, what do you mean you got your dad's? Right. I go, wait, he's like, just get anything you want. I'm like, so I can get a hamburger and the pasta. I can get both of those and he's going to bring them to me. I was like, you must be bullshitting. I don't believe you. And, you know, <laughs> that was my level of sophistication at that time. I had no, we didn't buy new clothes. It was when customers would come and somebody would look cool, we would just cross our fingers and hope they would skip out on their bill. So my dad would keep their clothes and somehow it would trickle down to us. All our clothes were like two, three sizes too big for us. So I think we were pretty poor coming up in, uh, you know, in a fairly affluent area. And by the time I was 15, I had a great distaste for school, for academics, for you know, just getting the shit kicked out of me in general. I was pretty scrappy. I picked up martial arts. So people stopped around those days messing with me. But yeah, I still got into a lot of fights. And, you know, I had several business, criminal business enterprises as a child. You know, we would go into the, the liquor stores, me and this other Greek kid who was a, a midget. Can you say midget? Maybe little person. He was a, yeah. he was a little person. Yeah. And he would go into the liquor stores. I would play lookout. He would steal all the nudie magazines, you know, the playboys, the penthouses, the little yeah, bottles yeah, yeah. of liquor, the cigarettes. Yeah. And we would sell them in school and we would always get caught. And I remember that. And so by the time I was 15, I was like, man, I, I got to get out of here. I can't if I stay here, you know, what's the path for me? And my, my folks would say, hey, you know, go to school five years, right. 10 years, you right. get a degree, become a doctor. You become a doctor, young man. And I'd be like all right, well, let me look at the doctor. I'd be like, look at Mr. So-and-so out the street. And I'd look at the guy and he was bald and fat and the whole family <laughs> was bald and fat. And you just look at the guy and I'd be like, wow, yeah, he's got a, he's got a Benz, but that's not his, the bank and, owns it. Right. And, and that you, could be you, right? <laughs> yeah. You look at his car and you're like, man, you know, like his house, you're like the bank owns that. And the guy leaves at 5 a.m. in the morning. He comes back at like 8 or 9 p.m. And night. he looks miserable. I don't want to be that. And what I decided was that I was going to take off. I, I discovered all the great inspirational writers during the turn of the century. People like Napoleon Hill, Andrew Carnegie's. I read Love the bio. It. I read, you know, uh, people like Ogmandino, all these great old time. Did you like, did, yeah. you, did you read the Think and Grow Rich? Was that instrumental or? I did uh, read Think and Grow Rich. And I think it was, it, it was pretty inspirational for me. You know, I, I'm not sure I agree with all the concepts in it now, but 
back then it was exactly what I needed. And I, I, I started reading up on that stuff. I started reading up on the new age movement, the self-development movement, reading Tony Robbins and all these great, great people. And I was like, man, you know, th- there might be a chance for me. So I took off, cut ties, cold with my family, my friends, you know, I, I left everything behind. And I went sleeping on the beach, abandoned buildings in the backseat of an old 65 Lincoln Continental, very spacious, in the trunk with a flashlight, pages of Think and Grow Rich taped to the to the lid of the, um, the trunk, the, the trunk yeah. and with the flashlight, just reading, 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 reading. Amazing. And I would wake up until one day I found a mentor. I, I was hanging out at the computer lab at school because occasionally they served free food. And I was like, you know what? Let me do that. Yeah, yeah. Bagels, that kind of stuff uh-huh. at the local community college. And I found a mentor and he was somebody who was instrumental uh, in the electronic music scene. So he encouraged me to get involved in that. And I started going to these raves, these underground music parties, which usually were in these abandoned warehouses. And I would sneak in or I'd make friends with the promoters. I didn't have any money to get in. They would let me in and I'd fall asleep behind the speakers, wake up, hang out a little bit, didn't do any drugs, although drugs were common in those places. And I started to say, hey, man, let me let me look and see who's making money here because I need to start making some money. Right. And it turns out the people who threw the clubs were always broke dudes. Those, those guys were broke ass, never had any money always running from people, usually because they couldn't keep their noses clean. And the DJ, similar problem, also never made money, always stood outside wondering why nobody's paying them. People did not appreciate people who were playing other people's music in those days. You may want to close out your outlook. It's I tried, Yeah, I tried to do that. Uh, uh... Uh, and so I started to think and look at who was making the money. Well, the people who were making the money were, can you guess? The people who were making the money. Who was making the money in the electronic music scene in the 90s? Who do you think? Hmm. People selling something. That's right. It was the drug dealers. Yeah, yeah. See I, these guys. I, I was going to let you did. Yeah, you figured that that's their market. They're in the right place at the right time with the right product. Right place at the right time. Right. And you'd see these guys, you know, looking really nice, nice clothing, always beautiful girl, one or two on their, on their uh, arms. And um, nice cars, brand new Porsches, BMWs. And, you know, they'd give a little money to the promoters, give a little money to the DJs, make sure everything flowed. So I thought, man, that's what I want to do. That's a quick path. I can make money. I don't have to go to school all those years. This is awesome. I'm going to be a drug dealer. And then, Michael, I thought back to my years of crime as an adolescence. Wow. And I began to realize that I was really bad at crime. Now, some people, and I think a lot of criminals look at crime and they never start to realize how bad they are. And that's why we see them on TV and shows like, uh, what are those America's top crimes or whatever? And you're like, dude, you were terrible at this. Why are you doing crime? Like you should have quit five crimes ago, but you keep doing crime. It's you're bad at that. Go do uh-huh. something else. Right, right. And I realized this and I thought to myself, you know what, Shane, this is a good opportunity for you to not do crime. So I thought, okay, well, still something there. What if, and this is the beauty of being young and having nothing to lose and not listening when people tell you something is impossible. I did not get the memo that it was impossible. I thought to myself, what if I could create something that was legal, that could do what ecstasy did, but was safe, natural, and legal? 
And I'm sure there was a billion people that told me it was impossible, but I figured it out. I got myself a girlfriend at that time. A lot of people say you need money to have a girlfriend. Was not true. I managed to get a girlfriend, even though I was broke. She let me crash on her couch and occasionally in her bedroom. And she allowed me to cook the stuff up in her kitchen and sometimes even close to the bathtub when you know she was her dad was away. So I would sneak in through the back and be cooking stuff up in the kitchen, all natural herbs, stuff like that. I didn't have the money to get a capsule machine. So we would be rolling them by hand into these little ball-shaped things. And somehow we got a formula that worked and it was epic. It was spectacular. So the next phase was finding distribution. Well, that should be easy. Wait, hold, hold on one second on the finding yeah. distribution. You just, you know, I always like to just step back for a second. This story is so amazing. The path is so amazing. Things that that impacted you that you gave meaning to that your upbringing, the immigrant mentality that I, yeah, I can't do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove to you that have nothing, the perspective, everything you did was just the reading, the investing in yourself, to finding a way to making a way, uh, the sacrifice that you make to the, you pay the price to enjoy the price. Everything you did, I'm listening. And I said, this is vintage Tony Robbins it's vintage Dale Carnegie. It's vintage what everyone says, but you, what I love about most about the story is you are all about taking action, taking risk and making it happen that you're, no one's going to give it to you. And, and you were out there of all the things I hear, you're not going to let anything stop you. The ship left the pier, the pier burnt down. There's no turning back and you're going to figure out a way you're going to find a way. And if a way's not around, you're going to create the way. And now this is the segue. I'm going to give you the, the mic now. You created a way, you created a solution, you saw a great market and said, I can put a new spin on this market, create something safe and come up with a product that is even better uh, than what's out there now in a huge market that is dealing with the issues you had with not being a good criminal, which I'm glad you're not, and moving into something that's that's uh, better and still addressing the same market uh, that you were addressing before. Just amazing stuff. My head's exploding. I'm sure everyone else who's listening, their head's exploding. So now we're the second part of the journey. So I'm sure there may be a third part, but the second part is, okay, distribution. Tell us about that. I love that. The obstacle is the way. Yeah, exactly. So I walked into a club Yep. late one night. Yep. I had a backpack full of these little baggies. I had a little card in them with a butterfly because I thought it'd be cool. Right. That was going to be my trademark. Love it. And- Walked up to the biggest, scariest drug dealer out there. And in those days, everybody didn't have tattoos on their face and their neck. And this guy had tattoos on his neck and he right. had gold and diamonds and the watch. And the, I mean, it was a very stereotypical drug dealer. I think he must have gotten the drug dealer's manual. Yeah, exactly. And I walked up to him very brave. He must have thought I wanted to buy drugs. And he said, kid, you know, I'm out. I'm out. I don't have. I said, I know you're out. Now, remember, during this time in the 90s, I was always at the right place at the right time. And it just so happened that the supply of ecstasy had dried out. The drug dealers were very unhappy. They had very limited supply because it was a very difficult drug to synthesize. And most of it was coming from Europe and the supply lines were shut down. The drug dealers, the producers were fighting with each other in Europe. The drug enforcement agency had stopped the inflow of drugs into the United States. So we were in a dry spell. And there I was, right place, right time. 
Yeah. So I walked up to him. I said, no, no, I don't want to do that. I want to sell to you. And he said, fuck off, man. What are you, what are you talking about? Are you a cop? Are you a cop? Are you wearing a wire? What's going on? Right, right. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm sure you could kick my ass. I'm sure you could kill me. Have me taken care of if you had to. Not interested in that. Totally not a cop. Right. Absolutely not a cop. But I got this stuff. And he looks at these bags filled with goo and he says, fuck off. What is this? <laughs> right. And in that moment, I looked at him. I said, it's, it's, an, it's herbal ecstasy. And he said, what? <laughs> and right. in that moment, right. two people, party goers walked up to him. And he's talking to them back and forth, back and forth. And he motions to me, grabs the bags from my hand, puts it into their hands, grabs the cash, puts it in his pocket and goes, come back in two hours. And, you know, if you're fucking with me, I'm going to have your head. Yeah. So I'm sweating. I'm like, okay, now this drug dealer is going to kill me. And I wait a couple hours. I come back. Everybody in the club is partying. The bag is empty. He's taking the stuff himself. He's dancing up and down. He's got girls all around him. He's opening up a bottle of something. He's living his best life. Right. And he looks at me and I'm still sweating. I don't know what he's going right. to do. Right. Exactly. He motions for me to come over. Right. I come over going, all right, this has been really good. You know, I've had a good life up until <laughs> right. now. It's been, it's been nice. You know, it's been a fun time. Yeah, Exactly. And he's, he's quiet for a moment, stone cold face. This guy didn't have a lot of emotion. I just see the tattoo like uh, pulsating on his neck. And I'm like, oh man, I'm so dead. And he, he, he leans over to me and he says, kid, when can you get me more? And that was it. What else do you, what else do you, yeah, exactly. What else do you want to hear? And that was it. He went exclusively herbal ecstasy and got his whole network of dealers to go herbalist. And it went from one guy to 10 guys to a thousand guys to thousands of people all over the country. We were selling in GNC. We went mainstream warehouse records, tower records. People used to go to record stores, new age bookstores. Larry Flint bought tons, millions of dollars worth to sell in his sex shops. We were selling in Playboy and Penthouse and all the sex shops all over the world. And we were selling at clubs, at parties, at raves, at Lollapalooza. I had over 200 employees. Mind you, I'm still near a teenager. Unbelievable. Having 200 employees, everybody in Venice Beach was working for me. And I remember walking in. I didn't sleep very much in those nights. I would fall asleep on the, on the factory floor. I would fall asleep in my office. People just knew because I would get two hours of sleep. I would wake up. I would just get back to work. I was so motivated and dedicated. And when I got into work, into the office, everybody was staring at me. And it was, it was another one of those stone cold moments. And right. like, what happened? Right. And my secretary, and we had secretaries in those days, big right. of, the, of the past. Yes. She's like, the news just broke. We've broken the billion dollar barrier with a billion, with a B for sales. And CNN wants to talk to you. Uh, Sam Donaldson with Nightline is on his way. That interview is in 30 minutes. Montel Williams just sent you a ticket to fly to New York to be on his show. Ken wow. Schramm in Seattle wants you on. Uh, London Observer, Newsweek, they were all outside. Paparazzi outside. It was crazy. And in those days, I was doing a lot of TV. There was, there was, I, I kid you not, there was always girls showing up with boxes of gifts and marriage proposals. And there were people who wanted to do business deals with me. And at some point the mob got involved, the Japanese Yakuza, they wanted to try to take over my business. 
And it became a wild and crazy ride. And I remember in that moment where I'm sitting there and them telling me we broke a billion dollars, my biggest worry, Michael, my biggest concern was that I did not know how much a billion dollars was. Not metaphorically. I literally did not know how much money a billion dollars was. I had no school education. This was pre-internet, pre-mobile phones. And that was my biggest panic in those days. That was my level of sophistication. And they calmed me down and... And I later learned how much a billion is and, and went through. But that was the, the how disconnected I was from everybody else's limiting beliefs. Yeah, you know, you know I, want, I want to stop there. For, first of all, wow. Wow, congratulations on, on all this. And, you know, when people look at you and they look at successes, they think, oh, the road to success is easy and, or it's not riddled with challenges or, or obstacles. And that's all it's riddled with. And so much self-doubt, you, you brought it up at a perfect time, so much self-doubt that in the impossible, all you heard was possible. But you took that on as a challenge, whatever lit that fire under your butt to say, yeah, I'll show them. And a lot of a lot of great successes that I've had on the show were challenged that they couldn't do it. And they wanted to just show the world, you're wrong, I'm right, I can do it. But you give such hope to any entrepreneur willing to hustle. You know, when we were younger, it was called hustle. Now it's called grind. Whatever you call it, it's work your butt off. You're in a trunk. You're on a a factory floor. Well, wow, you elevated yourself to a factory floor. You're still working your butt off and generating hundreds of millions of dollars, but you're still in the grind to grow and grow and grow. And your mindset was always, hey, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to have the right blueprint. I'm going to figure it out. Tell me and tell our guests, at any point, was there a challenge, a wall, an obstacle that you hit where you started to maybe solve, other than that time that you thought either this is going to be a huge success in that club when the dealer came over with the tattoos and you think, I'm going over to him and I'm either going to be dead or this is going to be a huge success. It's going to be one extreme or the other. Was there a time at which you said, you know what, Uh, maybe this isn't for me or maybe I'm not going to make it. And did you have mentors? How did you get through those any difficult times and what were they? Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about the first part, which I think is really interesting. And yeah, I did have I did have a mentor and I, I write about it in my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Throw Pill Cult. Um, for anybody that's interested, any of your listeners, it's uh, the first chapter is free and the book drops this week on Amazon. So if anyone's interested, please check that out. Yeah. And we'll, so, let me just say this, we're going to give information at the end. So we're going to tell them where to go on Amazon and what I, I'm definitely going to get a copy. Of course, a signed copy, I better, because I'm going to show everyone. Yeah, man, I had this guy on the show and you won't believe the, the nuggets that he dropped. So go ahead, tell, tell me about your mentor and tell me about the tough, any tough time. Tell us about that. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I'll, I'll tell you one of the first things that I did. So once I made the pills and we got it into the hands of a few of these dealers, I decided that I was going to become a multi-million dollar company. I never thought we would break a billion dollars, but I thought, hey, you know what? We're going we're gonna to become huge. Yep. And I thought one of the ways to do that was to license um, a picture of a uh, famous person. So I walked in, I, I like made that. a phone call. They said, what's the name of your company? I said, I just made it up on the spot. I said, global something or other. Uh-huh. And love it. I got an appointment and I walked into this big Beverly Hills office. Right. And it was, it was a fancy office in those days, in the beginning of the nineties. And it yeah. was, you know, the attorney that was representing the state of so-and-so. 
and the receptionist was this cute little Japanese girl in her cute little outfit. And she brought me this little espresso with a little twist of something. I never had those before. And, put it in front. <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is amazing. And then the guy makes me wait about an hour. Right. Right. He calls me in and he's, you know, the old school, like, you know, the agent guy. Yeah. Yeah. Tell him, tell him it's what I can do it for less than thousand. <laughs> you know, hanging up his phone. He's got all the papers around his desk, you know, total asshole. <laughs> from day one like like that guy in uh the guy in uh what, what is it uh entourage i forget what oh yeah is. okay okay the agent guy right so he's like that so he looks at me and he goes uh all right where's your dad and i oh. said excuse me he said yeah yeah where's your dad he's like i don't have a lot of time kid it's like you know are you old enough to drink that coffee i was like uh yeah well here's what i want to do you know and i said i want to do a supplement um i've already had a little bit of success and I'm looking to uh, license, you know, this guy as uh, an image and, you know, I'm going to sell a million of these things. So you guys are going to make a lot of money. Just give me the license. And he goes, hold on a second. Look, kid, you got to go back to school. And then he just spent the next seven minutes that he could he could afford to spare for me to tear me down. Wow. Go back to school, go back home. This is crazy. You don't have a company. You don't even have a product. You know, this is going to fail. Nobody does this. The way this works is you got to go to school. You got a business degree. Then you got to get your master's. Then you got to go work for a big consulting company. Then after you do that, then, you know, da, 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 da. my brain was spinning. And then I was really depressed. And I walked out of there and I walked here, you know, I, I took his business card and I walked into the elevator and, and I'll tell you, Michael, I went from this like yes. standing up good posture chest yep. out breathing yep. strong yep. to crunched over and like fuck man what am i doing take like, us because i talk about self-talk take us into the conversation in the elevator that you're having with yourself about just what went down it was all that stuff it was yeah. all that stuff about failure and how i'll never make it and he's probably right and i should have gone to school and i should go back home and this was a stupid mistake and the second the elevator hit the the lobby, yeah, um, this really beautiful girl walked in, and she just had this beautiful air about her. She looked like a supermodel, and she took a look at me and kind of gave me a little bit of a flirtatious glance. Yes, and that was it. I the voice in my head changed to "fuck that guy," like I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna have that Porsche. I'm gonna have that beautiful girl. I'm gonna have that life. And I'm going to fucking spend all my time proving this guy wrong. Yes. And when I got back to, to, to the car, the Lincoln Continental that I was sleeping in, I took his business card and I taped it to the hood of the trunk. Love that. Just, Love that. At, at, just next to the pages of Think and Grow Rich. And every single day when I was looking at that, I reminded it myself, it. it inspired me. His negativity, his objections all that stuff inspired me. I created a special palace in my head, in my mind for that guy. And I write this story uh, in my book. I don't know if that story is in my book. I think it's probably the first time I've told that story. But there's, a, there's another story where while I was you know, living in these abandoned buildings and on the beach and all these right. places, I managed to get myself a job at a, a copy place at a Kinko's copy. It was at the time. And I remember we were in the back. I was making photocopies for Scientology because that's, it was right next to the Scientology building. Yes. And they would have these like billionaire contracts that they made people sign. And like, they, there was all this paperwork and I'd be like sending the copy machines. I was a kid. And I remember that uh, I had this boss 
who was like this evil man. Like he was like the monopoly guy. He was like, you know, he had this like hat and a cane and a mustache and all this stuff. And I would sleep behind the copy machine because it had a nice droning hum. It was warm back there and I could sleep for a few hours. So during my shift, I would set the papers, the contracts to print, and I would fall asleep behind the copy machine. Didn't think much of it. But one day I woke up and like to a kick in my side and like his like cane and he's like standing on top of me, literally beating me behind the machine and me looking going, hey, what the fuck, man? And, you know, him like kicking me out. I didn't get my paycheck. Right. Mind you, I was I was sleeping in wherever I could sleep. I didn't have money for food. He wouldn't give me my paycheck. And so fast forward to the herbal ecstasy days, which is not that much past that, maybe a year, less than a year after that. I'm pulling up to the fanciest restaurant in Los Angeles. This is when I've had my success. We've broken the billion dollar mark. This fancy restaurant in, in West Hollywood, Beverly Hills area. Right. And I've got this beautiful girl next next to me. I'm in this brand new Ferrari. I mean, the seats were that supple brown leather. The yeah, color was Rosa Corso red. I mean, it was gorgeous. And, you know, photographers are coming out, taking pictures. I throw the keys to the valet. The girl gets out with her high heels. It's like a, it's, it's like a, a movie scene. scene. It's, it's a, movie. a movie. It's a movie scene. And that, I, in that moment, I was still busy going through my head. I just picked up the car just a little while before. And I looked sitting on a curb next to me was this guy. And I looked at him and it was my old boss, the evil guy that beat me up behind the copy machine. And I told the girl, hang on one sec. The valet was like, yes, sir. We'll park the car right out front. And I walked up to him and I see him doing this like double and triple take and his face turning this like bright red and me walking up to him and going, hey, I know you. You remember me? (laughs) And he was like, and he looked like he was about to explode. And I just said, that's all right. And it just didn't, it, it, it almost went over his head, but I know he registered. I know he registered who I was. And I think it just didn't compute. It was like somebody seeing like a, a UFO or something he didn't believe. And I knew in that moment that I had made it. And I tell people oftentimes the greatest revenge is success. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. And don't treat everyone right and nice with regardless of where they're at in their life, because this guy and the agent, there could have been opportunities there. But you know what? Regardless of whether it's the guy parking your car or anyone else in your life, they're there for a reason and a season. And you treat everyone with respect and dignity. Uh, you never know where they're going to be or what they're going to be. And uh, certainly, uh, he probably regretted, by the way, I was in the copier business. So I know the hum and I know the warmth. That was my first business. Uh, so I, I totally get that. And, uh, I fell asleep a few times also, but that was working the 12 hour days, but that, what, what an amazing story. So, so you have this great success. I love, and, and, you know, this is, uh, just, so you know, a, a, a small takeaway, big takeaway, actually, then Michael Phelps, when he was interviewed, greatest Olympian of all time, 23 gold medals. And they asked him the key question, why, why uh, are you, what pushes you to be so successful? What do you think you're the secret to your success is? He didn't say, I love to win. He said, I hate, I despise to lose the pain of losing. And I got from what you said that the, the card that you put next to the thinking grow rich, your whole, your whole kind of uh, vision board on the top of the trunk, what you had there was so powerful that you are keeping 
insight, which I, I talk about all the time, out of sight, out of mind, insight, top of mind, that you, it's not only the people you hang out with, but it's the things you hang out with that are reminders, that are anchors, the bigger the why, the bigger the try. You're focusing on why, what's my driver that will get me out of my comfort zone, do the things I don't feel like doing. And you're looking at that every day and that's your driver. And I love that. And that's, you know, testimony to where you're at today. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to take people's energy and use it as fuel for your fire. And that's worked really well for me. I think I see people in, in mixed martial arts doing that. Yes. Where they, they, they use the energy of their opponents to their advantage and business is much the same, I think as, as martial arts, where you can really take that negativity, that distortion that people throw at you and utilize that as fuel. I love Very that. Effective. Yeah. I love, I love that. That's, that's, that's great. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, when good things, I, I, I had a, a morning huddle. I talked about momentum that mm. in life it's, there's, you know, you watch the football game last night, there's positive momentum and negative momentum. When things yeah. happen that are crappy, they seem to happen one after another. It affects your attitude, your mindset, everything. And when good things happen, the, the key is always keep your foot on the gas and, and get back to basics and fundamentals. Always grind. Put people in your corner that support and encourage you. And what you did, which I love, is you were taking every situation in life. You Even when you had the chip, going back to what you said in the beginning of this interview, when you had the chip on your shoulder, you didn't say, woe was me. You said, you know what? I'm going to take what I don't have and I'm going to make something of that. It, everything you did was in your favor, using it in your favor to drive you to do the things that would drive your success. And I, I think that's a, a phenomenal lesson that everything good and bad was making you stronger and more successful, which is, I think, brilliant. Yeah, it's true. So, so you had this, I'm, I'm, I'm not seldom am I jealous, but okay. Ferrari, beautiful woman on your side. Okay. You're in Hollywood. You see this, the old uh, FedEx guy. I remember Kinko's, which became FedEx. And uh, he's, he's there and saying, why did I not let him sleep? Why didn't I pay him? I know what's going, you know, forget, re, you know, regrets are terrible. And okay. So take us. So yeah, you have this huge success now. What next? What happened next? Well, from there, you know, it was a wild ride. And, yeah. and again, you know, I write about it in my book, kind of the story. It was, it was an absolutely crazy ride. We went on to making hundreds and, <laughs> excuse me, hundreds and hundreds of millions more and then getting in a battle with the government and the product was restricted and then they unrestricted and then I came out with other products and then we played a little game of cat and mouse and eventually I got tired of it and moved on. I invented all of the technology for digital vaporization which was not a thing in those days. It was the forerunner to all the vapes that you see now. Uh I exited that company roughly around 2006. That became a publicly traded company. Wow. Uh, The first vaporizer company to become public and the technology for that still is used in in vaporizers today. Um, The company's still around. And from there, I decided, you know what? I... You know, I, I, I have a, a family, you know, I'm married, happily married, beautiful wife, beautiful son, but I got to keep my brain focused. So I thought, man, you know, I'm going to 
create a nootropic, uh, a brain supplement. So I did, I, I created a brain supplement called Accelerol, fantastic, spectacular supplement. Actually, we made it in New Jersey and uh, was produced by one of the big pharma companies who was producing it for me. It's still on the market today called Accelerol, spectacular uh, formula. And I thought, man, I got to figure out a way to sell this stuff. How am I going to sell this? And I was going to go subscription. I was going to go brick and mortar. Yeah. And I thought, well, what else is happening? And this was back in the days where you could email Jeff Bezos and he would respond back. Jeff at amazon.com, the, the magic email, you'd email him. And a few days later, you get a response back from Jeff Bezos. You might even be able to get him on the phone. Hopefully you save some of those. Hopefully you save some of those, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so we heard through yeah. the grapevine, that Bezos was opening up the Amazon platform to allow third-party sellers to sell whatever they wanted on there. Before, remember, it was just books and DVDs and right. CDs and stuff, but now yeah. he's going to let people sell anything on there. He's changing from it being a bookstore to being an e-commerce marketplace, allowing third-party sellers to sell. So I thought, hey, can I list supplements? Yes, I can. Let me try. Listed him that night, $120 a bottle for the stuff. Woke up the next morning, two thousands of orders. At 120 bucks a pop. And recurring, I to myself, recurring, recurring revenue model or no? He did not have recurring revenue yet. He's now okay. they have subscribe and save on Amazon those days. Yeah. They did. Okay. Okay. And uh, but it was a recurring revenue model in the way that it's a 30-day supply of pills. So people would have to buy it again in 30 days. Right. Okay. And I thought, wow. I started looking into Bezos, realizing that he wasn't just this like schmuck who is, you know, you see him like in this office, a spray painted sign that says Amazon. He's got a door and some cinder blocks. Right. I'm like, this is not who this guy is. This right. guy came from DH Hutton, one of the biggest Wall Street players. He's brought hundreds of millions of dollars of cheap money from Wall Street into Silicon Valley and is deploying it very effectively. And the thing is that it's a slow drip and a long tail play, but this guy's going to win. And in that moment, I decided I'm going to put all my eggs in the Jeff Bezos Amazon basket and learn how to become the best at selling on Amazon, master this third-party platform. And that's what I did. And that's what I've been doing since then is empowering people, teaching people how to do what I do, which is what I do now is I take people and I teach them how to produce recurring predictable revenue on Amazon, start a business. We show them how to find a product. Most people's biggest worry is, Hey, I don't have a product right. and how to sell that using all the tips and tricks and secrets that I've learned since herbal ecstasy in, in how to do that. That's amazing. And, and I know you're a proponent from what I read up that who wants to trade an hour's worth of time for an hour's worth of wages. And you, and again, here you go, right place, right time, right mentor, you get in the right place at the right time. But here's what you did that I think has to be stated. Your antenna is always up. You're always looking and aware of what is out there, what is needed. Where's the pain in the marketplace? Where's the opportunity in the marketplace? And you're always, you're aware of that. Your, your, your antenna, like I said, is up. And here you get on early. And I'm a huge proponent of what you do uh, and I'm not saying it because you're a guest on the show that there's two things that drive success. One is model yourself after someone who has done it, and that will accelerate your path to success. It will minimize the challenges along the way. I say smart people learn from their own mistakes. Smarter people learn from the mistakes of others. Your path has not been without challenges along the way. You figure things out. And what I love about this is 
you're an accelerator. You give people answers and solutions that they would take them years and years and many mistakes and buku dollars to figure out what you can give them that roadmap. You put the work in, make some investment, but you're giving them, in essence, the roadmap. Talk to our viewers about that. Yeah. So you're right. I tell people this oftentimes is that, you know, people always ask me, they're like, Hey, you know, if you could look back at the 15 year old, you, what would you tell them? And I would say, find a mentor, find somebody who is where you want to be and model them, model their success. Yes. And there are easier ways to do it. You can create a mastermind. You can find a mentor. You can find other people to chime in with. We have a mastermind as part of our Amazon course. So anybody that, um, you know, signs up for our Amazon course, gets instant access to like 50, 60 people in each pod who are doing what you want to do. But ultimately it comes down to you building that grit and knowing that there's things that you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And the most important part of beginning your journey is to start learning those things from someone who's done it. Not some guy who's on like, Instagram saying, oh, look at my Lamborghini, look at my fancy things and (laughs) whatever, because we all know that's bullshit. We all know, you know, that stuff isn't real, but rather learn from somebody who is where you want to be, somebody who's actually made millions. And that's what we, you know, what we start to teach in the course is foundational thinking. I teach people, you got to have cash flow positive real estate. You need to have some of your money in that first leg of the table. Second leg, your second foundation should be in something that's bringing you compounding interest. If you haven't read it, read The Psychology of Money. Fantastic book, spectacular. Teaches you why Warren Buffett is one of the wealthiest guys in the world because he invests in things that compound interest. You need to have a job because without stability, without having a career, without having something that's giving you that stability where the kids are in diapers and the food's on the table, you can't do any of this other stuff. Now, ultimately, we want to get out of what Michael was talking about, which is selling your hours for money. But that is the worst trap in the world. In the but world. Initially, yeah. But initially, you might have to do a little bit of that just to take the stress off. And if you have to, like Michael said, you hustle, you go drive Uber, you do Airbnb, you work on Upwork, you do some fibers, whatever it takes to, to do that, to get in control of your own time. And the fourth pillar, the fourth foundation, arguably, I think one of the most important ones now is an e-commerce business and preferably on the Amazon platform, which is, I think... There's very few people that would argue one of the strongest e-commerce platforms in the world, one of the easiest for anybody to enter. And, you know, Michael, I've got a, a, a one-hour course that's normally 200 bucks for anybody listening to your show. I want to give that for free. Wow. Absolutely no obligation. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And they can, yeah, and they can just mention your show and reach out uh, at fbasellercourse.com or reach out to me at shaheenshayan.com. And I'm happy to provide that absolutely free of charge. Yeah, that's that's great. Thank you so much. And, and you know, you reap what you sow and certainly you've given so much uh, of yourself and your knowledge and your wisdom and, you know, what to do and what not to do. As you mentioned, no one knows where their blind spots are. No one can see when their brake lights out. So you've been there. You've done that. You've experienced it. And you're you're uh, now freely. Thank you so much for that. Giving that information, that blueprint. Uh, to our guests. And that that's brilliant. And who does, listen, who doesn't want to go to sleep at night and know when they wake up, like you said, you had thousand orders. What a blessing that is that you wake up and, you know, it's not all about the money. You know, you talked about your wife and your child, 
you know, it's about providing that financial stability for your family, a, a nest egg for your family. And that's what not trading an hour's worth of time for an hour's worth of wages gives you. It's not just, you know, and, and you go, and this all goes back to when your, your dad said, go to college, get an education. Listen, we're not poo-pooing education. Education has its place, but you know what? All the great successes, believe it or not, made their money from grinding uh, more than they did from, from education. And especially ones that are letting their interest compound and have residual income uh, situations. So this is spot on. I can't wait to get this. I'm a, a firm, firm believer in uh, letting your money work for you and providing value, solve problems. What, what do you do in terms of uh, kind of if there was, besides the four pillars, to look for a product, and I'm sure this is in your book, but can you share with our audience to find a product or a service that you can sell? Is there, is there a formula that you use to find out or to, to find one if you don't have one that, will, that has a higher likelihood of working? Sure. Yeah. In very broad terms, in general yes. terms, yeah. the formula that I've used is we like to think distribution first. So most people seem to think, hey, I'm going to build a better mousetrap. The world's going to beat its way to my door. And in the yes. old days, that was very much so the case. Okay. Nowadays, that is no longer the case. Nowadays, you have to look distribution first. And what I mean by that is this. You need to find a marketplace. You need to find what that market needs, what they want. You need to find vulnerabilities in that marketplace. The more niche you go, the better. Riches are in the niches. And then you need to make a plan on how you are going to serve that need. It doesn't even mean that you need to have a different product. Turns out on Amazon, sometimes when you're looking for something, there's 100 sellers all selling the same product, all at different price points. Sometimes you just have to tell a better story. Sometimes you just have to be clearer about what's included. Sometimes you have to have a better product. Sometimes you need to make minor modifications. But this is all stuff that we teach in Amazon Mastery. And in very simple terms, you want to find a niche and dominate it and start with distribution first. And it's very easy to do. Again, you know, I've got the one hour course. It's, I'll give it to you guys for absolutely free. It teaches you everything from A to Z of how to do that. And there's no charge, no obligation. And if that can help empower people to succeed Beautiful. and create these Amazon businesses, I feel like my job is, is done. Yeah. And you're not, you're not just providing a course. You know, I love to look at the end result of these things. You know, you're providing a, a way out for many people, a way out and a way up. And, and that's, yeah. you're, you're, cha- you're changing lives, man. That's, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, people who don't know, especially with the pandemic, when we're doing this right after and the new strain, you know, you're, you're giving hope and a path and a blueprint, and you're offering that one hour course for free. I know I'm going to take it. And, uh, and those, you know, those lessons that you shared along the way of, you know, it's funny, I think it was Oprah or someone said, you know, we're hard work and opportunity. You know, you talk about luck, it's we're hard work and opportunity. You, you know, you make your own luck and you were at the right place at the right time because you were always looking, always striving, always working. You were nonstop putting yourself in a position that you were, were at the right place at the right time. You made, you made that happen and it wasn't just by luck. Yeah, a little luck comes into it, but, you know, you could have been sleeping you know, eight, 10 hours a day. No, you were awake 14, 15 hours a day hustling until you fell asleep behind copy machines, like, you know, in trunks, it's like crazy. So when someone looks at their level of commitment, they say, I'm working hard. Are you hardly working? You know, 
look at how much time you put in, look at your blueprint and uh, find a great mentor like and, and a great program like this, this one hour course and uh, be on your way. But you know what? Nothing happens. The great Thomas Huxley said the great end in life is not knowledge, but action. So now you have the knowledge. Now you have the ability to take action on it. It's free. I encourage everyone. And I'm telling you, I can't wait to do it because I've looked at Amazon. So I, I'm a big buyer of Amazon products. Uh, and I have products that I, I uh, certainly have in my list of products that I want to sell that solve a, a problem. And I just can't wait uh, to, to get something started. And I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to do that. What would you say as, as we kind of uh, finish up here, what would you say the top one, two or three things folks need to do? You know, you have the corporate mentality out there and then you have the individual entrepreneurial spirit, let's call it. What do you think that you've learned, that you've gleaned, that you've experienced over your life? The one, two or three things that you can impart on people that this is what you need to do to have a richer, fuller, more complete life. Because at the end of the day, you know, what we all strive to have is more peace, joy, and fulfillment. And what are all the things that create that in your life? What can you share with our audience that will help them achieve those three things? That's pretty easy. Get rich, make some money. And I don't advocate getting rich fast or getting rich slow. Of course, it's better to get rich fast if you can, but that's usually not the case. It's much better to get rich slow and quietly and create foundational wealth. And people out there who are telling you, hey, money is, you know, money's the root of all evil. Money is, is doesn't buy happiness. They just don't know where to shop and they don't have any money or they don't have any money. Money makes things a lot easier. Money empowers you to have freedom. And what freedom is, is being able to do what you want with who you want, when you want. That's the ultimate freedom. I know you sell jets, fractional jet ownership and time on jets. And that's what that's all about. These guys, you know, people who, who pay for that, you know, you can get a first class ticket for five or 10 grand. It costs a hundred grand to charter that same, same jet. Well, why are people doing that? Because they are valuing their time. It is the ability, their freedom to just get on the plane and go, go where you want, when you want, with who you want. The value of that, and, and I couldn't think of a better metaphor than, than private jets of that, is that that's what you want to build. Time is the new luxury. In my, in my first example, like if you've got a bunch of money in a big house and a car and whatever, but you've got no time for yourself, you are poor. You're broke. The, yeah. You're, you are, you are worse than broke. You are poor. Yeah. Two different distinctions. You are poor and broke. <laughs> exactly. So money is important. It allows you to embark on your journey. It allows you to help the people that you love. And anybody that tells you it's not important, again, those are not people you want to be around. It is important. It is not the only thing. There are other things in life that are important, but money definitely makes it a lot easier to be happy. It makes it a lot easier to have a seamless life. And once you start making that money, be it starting an Amazon business or whatever it is that you're doing, you got to sell a product or a service one way or another. At the end of the day, you start thinking about things differently. And I know a lot of people that are millionaires. I know a few people that are billionaires and we're always talking and we, we go over, you know, I've got masterminds where we talk about each other's problems. And it's always a thing in our, in our masterminds where they say, Hey, can you just throw money and solve this, this problem? Yeah. Well, a problem that you can throw money at isn't really a problem and it makes things very easy to solve. Cause then you just get into, Hey, how do we negotiate the cost of this? Maybe there's a more efficient way to do it, but if you can throw money and make it go away, 
that's not really a problem. There's other problems in life that will come up that most people will have. And very few of them can't be resolved with having a nice uh, egg sitting there in the bank. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so true. You know, one of the uh, things that you made me think of, it goes way back, you know, as a motivational speaker and uh, someone who's spoken uh, all over the world and, and look, you look at Tony Robbins and the great ones, right? One yeah. of the greatest motivational speakers of all time was Adolf Hitler. Now, he was as horrific a human being as one should ever talk about, but he motivated people to do the worst. So when you have all this money, so you could say motivational speaker, bad, you know, Adolf Hitler. But when you have all this money, you could use it for good or you could use it for evil. And money certainly is a vehicle, as you said, a tremendous vehicle to give you the freedom to solve problems, to help other people, help the ones you love. And without it, you wouldn't be able to do and make the impact. It's not a dirty word at all, but you can make it a dirty word or you can make it a great word and have it change your life and enrich your life and enrich the lives of those you come in contact with. And I, I love that because that's what I see with people that use, you know, you, you see uh, what's the show on T on TV where they, um, uh, where they expose people that, that do bad things with their money. Uh, uh, the con artists that, that make like Bernie made American greed. Amer there you go. Thank you. Yeah. American greed. Well, there's people who were brilliant that could have made money and done great. You know, they were brilliant. They could have made it either way, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. doing good or doing bad. But uh, yeah, this is, this is just amazing. What um, I'd like to share with the audience before you go, what, uh, give some email addresses, ways to get the course, the book again, so they can, we're going to put it in our, our, uh, our notes as well, but uh, let them write it down now. So they have it written down and they take action on it because this could be uh, in all likelihood, a life changer as it was for you. Sure. I love that. Thank you for asking. So My pleasure. we have a podcast called Hack and Grow Rich. You can get it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. Make sure to subscribe and like us on there. If you like good podcasts, you can listen to them in the car. We're also on YouTube where you can like and subscribe there. Additionally, if you're interested in my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, that does drop in the next two weeks, and it is available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, wherever books are found. You can get the first chapter of Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult for free on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. And if you're interested in the one-hour course, normally $200 for all of Michael's listeners, just mention him or his show, and we will offer that to you absolutely for free, no obligation, no charge. For that, go to fbasellercourse.com or go to shaheenshayen.com. That's S-H-A-A-H-I-N-C-H-E-Y-E-N-E.com and select the course link or just reach out to us. And if I can empower you in any way, help you on your journey, and uh, I do that often for people, feel free to reach out to me and we can have a conversation. You can get me on my website. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, I'm going to get the book. I'm going to get the course. I'm going to be a living live testimonial that uh, is going to take action on this and uh, not only change my life, life and the, my uh, loved ones, but also others, and uh, add to your, I'm sure, 
I'm sure hundreds of thousands of people that have been impacted by what you do. I can't thank you enough for the, the nuggets. It was one after another. I normally do a recap. That would be another hour. Uh, I would just say this to everyone listening. Uh, tough times don't last, tough people do. It's all about the hard work. It's the grind. Don't let others dictate to you who you are, what you are, what you could do. If they say you can't do it, prove them wrong. Keep that in front of you. Let that serve as motivation. Never stop working. Never stop grinding. Sleep in a trunk if you have to. Sleep on a behind a copier. Sleep on a, a factory floor. I mean, just think about these. These are, you know, why, when you think about it, why do immigrants, why are they so successful as a percentage? Because A, they're, they're, they're everything they value, their gratitude, their perspective. I mean, there's so many things they see that, you know, when they say America is the land of opportunity, they see that. They know where they came from. And this is so much greater. You have this. Don't take it for granted that, that you have it and you're not taking action on it. This is this is what what you see, the billion was was achieved by someone recognizing opportunity, willing to work their butt off, no other way about it, and just keeping their antenna up, looking for ways, opportunities, never stop the feet moving, always driving and uh, finding a way. And uh, just a, a, a amazing success story. And I couldn't be happier to have you on the show and, and just hope that the impact of what you said changes lives. Get the course, get the book, contact him and, and, uh, and uh, see how, how you can grow your fortune and not continue to trade an hour's worth of time for an hour's worth of wages. My friend, thank you so much uh, for all your wisdom and, and, and nuggets. It was amazing. Honored to be on. Thank you for having me on, Michael. Appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Okay, so I'm looking here for, we can cut this part out. But listen, man, what a story. How, how, how old are you now? I'm 46, man. How about yourself? 46, 64. Oh, no way. You look great. I'm going to be, I'm going to be 65. Like I didn't want to get Medicare, but what I'm paying for health insurance, like, okay, I can pay 400 instead of 1200 a month. Okay. Sign me up. But it's like, uh, you know, you're like this cause you're in shape, you know, strong body, strong mind, strong spirit, family. I got one son, two stepsons, one son. How old's your son now? He's seven. Oh, what a great age. That's like killer. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so this, your book, this is like, how long did it take you to launch to create the book? Uh, the book was about two years from writing it to getting it out. And now, it's, yeah, and now I'm doing the tour and we're doing all the, you know, we're doing 150 podcasts and different shows. and Beautiful. Um, yeah, trying to get some, uh, you know, awareness out about it. Let me ask you a question. Did you, because I spoke to my good friend who gets everyone to number one, on the New York, and I say everyone, the, the best-selling book on online. Did you, because Jay was introduced to me from Mike Alden. Do you know Mike Alden? Mike Alden. I think I do. I think I talked to him. Let me okay, because I gave him your name or he knows Jay. He introduced me to Jay. That's how Jay uh, and I uh, connected. But Mike Alden is uh, has done $365 million in marketing, but his forte is getting people to number one quickly. Yeah. I talked to a guy, there's a bunch of guys that do that, but I talked to one guy. Um, you know what that costs, by the way? It's it different. Yeah. It different things, um, depending on what the, what the service is. I, I don't know the, the, the total cost, but, um, here's a, a phenomenal podcast show has had legends on the show called the, the Alden report. 
Uh, if you want, uh, I'll be happy to make an intro. And uh, he's a great guy, a rock star, uh, just a, an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Just uh, how do you spell? How do you spell his last name? A L D E N. Look at Blue Vase Marketing. He's a three-time best-selling author. He wrote the Blueprint to Business, and you'll just love talking to him. You two are the same peas from the same pod. Uh, I just want to say if I've, I've, I've uh, he's in Massachusetts. Yeah, right? yeah, Beverly, Massachusetts. Okay, no, I haven't talked to this guy. I talked to another guy who does the same stuff. Really? So, yeah, sure. I, I'm happy to talk to him if you want. Yeah. To- well, he'll put you on the Alden Report. He has, a, he has a huge reach. That's his podcast show. Uh, okay. Jay's been on it and some other uh, rock stars, some huge influencers with millions of of uh, uh, contacts. So, uh, yeah, I, I told him uh, that we were going to be uh, doing a show together. And he said, yeah, I'd love to talk to him. I think first and foremost for the... Uh, uh, to, to get exposure for the book, but also yeah. I think it'll be a huge uh, uh, possibility for you to at least talk about what he can do uh, to get the book to number one quickly. I, I love I that. Book, I have a book coming out. In fact, it was just sent to me uh, a 364 page book. My first one. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. From, thanks, man. It's coming out. I'll have it from uh, Spark, Ingram Spark. Is that, I think that is, that's yeah. Nice. Yeah. They're, so more, they're morons, but yeah. Are they real? Yeah. I don't, I have someone handling everything. Good. <laughs> did you, did you use an outside publisher? Uh, no, this one we did, you know, I, I had deals with outside publishers, but they take uh, 19 months for like, uh, oh. you know, for, for a big one. So I, I was just like, you know, we're going to, cause I'm an Amazon guy, so I know how to sell stuff. So it's easy enough for me to do it, but um, we'll, we'll probably, I just got a film deal for this one. And um that's really the focus. So as long as, you know, they're, they're making the film, it's more important than the book to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. This is a perfect for a film. Did yeah. you, did you close that deal? Is that a done deal or just done deal? Hey done man, deal. congrats. Yeah. What's is, is it going to be called billions or billions? Or- I became king of the thrill cult. Well, that's the working title. It just depends whatever the you know production company that's putting the money into it wants to call it. But that's, that's the hope that they'll name it after my book. How exciting, man. That's, that's like, great. That's yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot you an email, please. Uh, if you or anyone, you know, uh, if I can help them out, friends and family deal for either charter or flights, I'll be happy to help. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. My, my pleasure. I'm going to, uh, I have something to do right now and I have to order a book called billions and also the psychology of money. I'm a big avid uh, uh, audible book guy. Oh yeah. So, so uh love love that uh, who who uh, who wrote that book psychology of money do you recall uh psychology of money you know i forget the guy's name but it's probably one of the like best books you'll read and you know ever it's it's spectacular um and then uh i'll have an audible version of my book out next week too i narrated the whole thing so oh, did you really be, yeah if you do an audible that'll be a cool way to go yeah yeah definitely definitely going to do it and uh and i'm going to uh, sign up for that one hour course and then encourage others too. I like to be a product of the product. That's important yeah. to me. You know, it's like, and like you said, people are selling these courses online that that they make their money from selling the course. They've never done it right. a day in their life. So yeah, I value the fact that you did it. Anything sure, I can man. do, uh, uh, let me know. I'll send you this. Should be uh, a week, and I'll have the finished uh, uh, podcast. Send it out to you. Anything I can do in the meantime. 
let me know, I, my friend. I really appreciate you, Michael. And I'll, we'll, we'll uh, help promote your thing too. So send me the links to your show. And what we'll do is we'll put this up on our feed as well. We've got about 65,000 subscribers Perfect. and I'll, I'll put a link for them. If they want to subscribe to your show as well, they can do that. Okay. Can you shoot me an email when I respond, I'll send you an email out. I wrote yeah. some things, but I wanted to pay attention. Everything you want in the, in the notes on the podcast show regarding where they can go to get the book. Sure. Uh, just put that in there and we'll just copy and paste that in. And, Easy peasy. Uh, okay. Perfect, man. Have Happy a wonderful weekend. And you too, buddy. Uh, thanks for sharing, buddy. It's great. Story. Thanks, man. Appreciate okay. you. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.